0: you got to stop people from having those voices, Molly, yeah. you talked about. It's too many people at the table. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, everybody gets to share their opinion. And, and it's so much information coming at her that then when I say, hey, we have to do this, she can't make a decision because they said, no, don't go the way Magic goes. You should go left. Other people already of got right. to her. Exactly. And remind you. Yeah. Oh, 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 here we go.
1: Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. Thank you for downloading, and thank you if you are a subscriber. This is another late-night edition that is going to be recorded while the Bucks are battling Toronto in game number four. You may say, Zabe, you're not doing your job. You need to focus on this game and bear down. Ideally, I'd like to do that, but I think I can multitask. This will sort of be like watching the game. With a friend, or with two friends, because we're going to bring on my man, Andy Poland, Stretching his bedtime, by the way, to have him up this late. Hello? I called you on the mobile, Andy. I hope this connection is solid.
2: Okay, either way, you can call at home or you can (laughs) call
0: on the
1: mobile. Nah, it's too late. Too late. We're already recording. We're already in. Andy Poland, everybody. On the late night Zabe cast, thank you for staying up late. What's your bedtime these days? Oh, by the
0: way.
2: Oh, it depends. I mean, I've been watching a lot of the uh, series. I watched the entire game last night, and i uh, back and forth with the Nets and the uh, Bucks tonight.
1: Yeah, there you go. the The NBA playoffs have been really entertaining, haven't they?
2: Oh yeah, and we are seeing. I think and I'm old school, but I think we're seeing one of the most incredible teams we've ever seen in Golden State. I mean, they just keep losing players and keep winning games. And Draymond Green, who was thought to be like a complimentary guy, he has been spectacular. Just spectacular in this series.
1: Yeah. And I have the uh I, I actually I think I did I drop this in the Zabe cast yesterday? I can't remember, but Draymond Green admitted he was bitching too much to the referees. Yeah. And yeah. he has actually changed his stripes. He's playing the best basketball in a long long time. And Steph Curry is unique. I mean, Steph Curry is interesting because a lot of people still don't put him on the same level as LeBron as a star player or Kevin Durant as a star player. Mm-hmm. Do you would you agree that that's kind of the feeling?
2: Yeah, because he's kind of a curiosity in that he does something better than anybody's ever done it. But shooting has always been sort of, I don't want to say, looked down upon, but it's not something that you look to carry a team with. You know what I mean?
1: Right.
2: And he has he has really I mean. Look, uh, Clay Thompson is a great player too, but Thompson's had some cold games. And to put together four straight 35 point games, I mean, I'm old enough to remember what Rick Barry did to the Bullets in 1975. And this is very similar at a different position. Barry was a forward, but with the ball in his hands and his ability to shoot, his ability to pass, ability to dribble rebounds. too.
1: His yeah, dribbling is extremely underrated because he's a wizard off the yeah. bounce.
2: Yeah, he he really is, and uh, you know, to think that this guy coming out of high school couldn't even get a scholarship to Virginia Tech <laughs> has developed into into just this incredible player. It, it's amazing.
1: I think because he looks so cute and so small, and he's like everybody's kid, you yeah. think to yourself, well, he can't be on the level of LeBron. He can't be on the level of Durant. He can't be on the level of Kawhi. It's just that he's different. That's all. He's every bit as devastating. And history, I believe, Andy, will mark down Steph Curry as one of the most influential players in the game's history because until he came along, shooting 30-foot jumpers was deemed to be insane.
2: Right. Oh, Oh. yeah. No, I saw the interview that Steve Kerr did on 60 Minutes.
1: And oh, I
0: didn't see him, that.
2: Oh, it's good. And, and they asked him about coaching Curry. And he says, oh, I don't do it. Said, what do you mean? He goes, no. He goes, no, you know, and he and he referenced early in uh, his run as the coach where he said that that Curry was doing a curly kneel routine, just dribbling in and out, right. going all over the place, and he's throwing his hands up in the air, and then he jacks up a 35-footer and knocks it down, and Curry right. just throws up his hands and sits on the bench.
1: <laughs> I think I saw that highlight, and I think they had Kerr mic'd up, and he's like, no, Steph, Steph, no, no, yeah. no. And then he makes it, and he goes, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, it I mean, is it is it is amazing, and I hear people whose kids play basketball now and high school, how Steph Curry has changed the game because of all these kids mm-hmm. that not only want to be Steph Curry, but they actually, Andy, work on their jumper and they work on their range to be really good long-range shooters.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it used to be that if you took one of those shots – You'd wind up right on the bench.
1: Yeah, it was and, it was a litmus test for being a mental patient to yeah, take a thirty yeah. footer. And now Steph Curry takes thirty-footers and other guys too, and they make them and they they take them in form too. They're not a heave, you know?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, you know, I saw some some great shooters in, in my lifetime, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody like this. And remember, until they had the three-point line. The idea was to get as close to the basket yes. as you possibly could, yeah. because your percentages went up. But and, and that's you know one thing that, that will is overlooked by them winning in in overtime last night is that Curry could have won in regulation. He had a wide open two, and for whatever reason, he decided to step back behind the line and, and took a travel free. right yeah, and travel. Yeah.
1: yeah, because you know what his instinct is, shuffle step behind the line. Because this one's worth three. Why yeah, yeah. Suckers take twos. Take the ones that count an extra point more. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> dare I say, dare I say, Andy, he is this generation's pistol, Pete Maravich.
2: We have to remember this about Maravich. Maravich was not a great shooter. Uh, Maravich was a great player. I know we disagree on that.
1: But we don't disagree. Was- Let's clarify our argument once and for all. He was a phenomenal, game-changing, one-of-a-kind unicorn for his era. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. He would get his shit eaten up in today's NBA like you wouldn't believe. That's where you and I disagree.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, his build was not that different than Curry. And he was a magician with the basketball. He was not the shooter that Curry is. Right. But... He could pass and Magic Johnson said, Look, he he watched him play and he stole some of his ideas on how to handle the ball.
1: Second quarter update. Toronto surging up ten now over the Bucks forty one to thirty-one. Uh coach Bud just called a timeout to get the Bucks in order. So just back to Curry and Golden State. The other thing that rings through my head as they're now into the finals without Durant is that Durant has to it's this has to be burning his ass, Andy. It has to be. Oh, yeah. He is so sensitive. He is so needy, no matter how much he might protest otherwise. The fact that he had a burner account on Twitter and was going after rando people who were going after him tells you all (laughs) you need to know about his insecurity. Well,
2: also, if Draymond Green wasn't stupid enough to kick LeBron and the fellas a few years ago, (laughs) uh, they would have won two without him and two with him. And if they win in another one without him, that would be, you know, five, and only two of them would have involved him. Now, he was the MVP, but it's pretty clear that this team is Curry and it's Draymond Green right now. And it's Curry, they, It's was- Curry,
1: Clay, and Draymond. Those are the essential three. Iguodala yeah. is still very essential defensively. And then the other fill-in guys are filling in. It's like they're giving minutes to dudes you didn't even know were on the roster.
2: I think it was Mark Jackson who said this last night when they had their second team in. He said, what's on the floor now is what you would see in an exhibition game, like guys trying to make the team. as like the 11th <laughs> right. and 12th man. And, and, and you just go, wow, yeah. I mean, and, and even those guys are hitting shots. And, and then when, you know, look, Draymond Green doesn't hit a three all night and then bang, hits the one that locks up the game. That's clutch.
1: That broadcast booth, by the way, is so good. Brian, yeah. Van Gundy, and Jackson. i I like that broadcast booth maybe more than anything in any sport.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know sometimes he, he, Van Gundy says something that's absolutely ridiculous. and you and... think he's
1: just doing it for effect?
2: yeah I mean he's he's a coach. I mean he's he's got chops as as a coach. and I, I you know I could I, I don't think they necessarily need Jackson. But I know Mike Breen. I work with Mike Breen at The Fan. I, I think he's a, a great broadcaster, and I know he's a great guy. And I, I think he just holds that, that trio together right. very well.
1: Do you now, like it? Do you like his signature call of
2: bang? Oh, yeah. Well, he's, you know, you, you got to remember this. There's an entire generation now, and these guys are getting older because Steve Levy is in there. He's in his 50s. Uh, Mike's pushing 60. These guys all grew up watching Marv. Marv was their guy. And so a lot of what you hear. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah.
1: But don't think that Marv is the only guy that ever said bang on a big three pointer.
2: But but Marv was the quintessential basketball. I think Marv is he may have lost his fastball, but I think he's the best to ever do it.
1: All right. So let's talk about Magic Johnson for a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I had said when he when he quit suddenly and didn't even tell Jeannie and surprise the Lakers, my stance was, OK, that's probably not ideal. But I like magic. Magic is a good guy. And he probably realized I don't need this shit. Then after what he pulled on the day they were announcing Frank Vogel, I said, OK, you're a two faced fucking liar. Get out of here. I I, I get, got rid of my team magic jacket after what <laughs> happened yesterday. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I Charles Barkley said on PTI tonight, he said. That oh boy, magic,
1: what'd
2: he say? He said magic burned the whole house down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he also arguably burned his own reputation down because here's my problem. If why did he say I couldn't tell Jeannie I was quitting because she's my sister? And she'd be so disappointed. She'd talk me into staying and then turn around and trash the shit out of her and everyone else.
2: Yeah, I I don't get that. And look, Palinka was probably right. You know, he, he wasn't showing up in the office. (laughs) He wasn't working hard. I don't know if that's, that's backstabbing. That was probably fact. Right. And, and you know, the Lakers are a mess. We know that, but magic didn't do himself any favors with that. And look, you get to a point i think this happened with jordan too where you, whatever you do there's a large group of people say hey you're great you do whatever you want you do you do what you think you have to do and so you're never wrong i mean you know you, you never you never have to answer for your mistakes
1: and isn't there also another group of people that are like fuck this guy. He's not putting in the work. He's just a Hall of Famer who thinks that the job is showing up and smiling and they're out to stab you in the back.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think he thought he'd come in and he'd lock up LeBron, which he did. And then he could just continue to recruit on Twitter and every other means. And League said, no, you can't do that. But I imagine Did I you be able to do
1: that. Did you see LeBron or did you see Magic's tweet tonight? Big corner three, Middleton, scrapping, still down 10, now they're down 7, 8-25 second quarter as we continue our live Zabecast here during the Bucks raptors game number four. Uh, did you see Magic's tweet tonight? No, what did he okay. say? You don't follow Magic on Twitter? Come on, Andy. I guess I should. Here, get this. Irvin Magic Johnson, blue check mark. Getting my skinny pop popcorn ready for Milwaukee versus Toronto! <laughs> exclamation point. I think I'm going to go with sea salt and pepper.
2: I saw that. I did see that. Yeah, somebody else <laughs> retweeted it.
1: <laughs> so, um, a couple things. One, remember how he said, I want to feel free to tweet and congratulate the players in this league, and I couldn't do that as GM? Yeah. People are like, wow. Someone responded, Yeah, I'm sure glad that I got this tweet instead of a ring this year as a Laker fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this you know one. What? Yeah. All right. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, uh, this, just, uh, this occurred to me. You know, this, these guys don't live in the same world we live in. So when they don't get something, we go, Pfft, how could they not understand that? They just don't. Right. Remember when Dan Marino was going to run the Dolphins and he yes. started getting questions about being a figurehead and he was like shocked at that?
1: He was like, like how dare you say that?
2: Yeah, and then he resigned like, a couple
1: he, days later. Yeah, he, he lasted all of two days. It was a... <laughs> Uh, a Rick Majerus like tenure may Rick Majerus rest in peace who quit coaching the USC after a couple of days right
2: yeah well i think he was already at that point already having health problems but but in in the case of, of Marino it was like he, i don't think it occurred to him that anybody would ask that question yeah. when that's the number one question asked since he had no experience
1: for that right, job. Right. Here's a response to Magic's tweet. Magic, as a youth football coaching legend, I'm disgusted with this tweet as it sends an awful message for today's youth about snacking. We had to make a Husky <laughs> player lose 15 pounds in three days last August because of this nonsense. Now, that's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek tweet. Uh, Katie Nolan said, you have to write hashtag admagic. You can't just wink while you hit send. <laughs> People put GIFs of magic eating popcorn courtside. Other people are saying, and I love this tweet, I can't believe this website is free, meaning Twitter.
2: <laughs> Katie Nolan. Isn't Katie Nolan being paid a lot of money by ESPN?
1: Yeah. And she's That's not on. That's the first on...
2: time I've heard her name mentioned in months.
1: Do you know where you can find Katie Nolan? No. Witness Protection, otherwise known as ESPN Digital otherwise known as ESPN plus otherwise known as not ESPN as we know it meaning the channel that's on your TV yeah but was she's got she a nice rising star she was yeah she was she got you know she her deal her uh, show got cancelled yeah. at uh, another big three by Middleton cut it to five 45 40 Raptors uh her deal got cancelled at Fox mm-hmm. but because it won all these Emmys and they liked her so much because really she's a she's a cute looking middle she looks like she could be anyone's girlfriend kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the perfect amount of cute slash hot, right? Like she, she, she's not so hot that you look at her and go, Oh, she doesn't know anything. She's just on TV because she's a model, right? Yeah.
2: Isn't that the Michelle beetle account though?
1: You know what it, yeah. Her and beetle kind of occupy the same lane, And it's not Mm. a bad lane. And I believe that Katie Nolan is a very passionate sports fan and and knows a thing or two. Might have even played sports. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, what else do you bring to the table? (laughs) Right? Right? Mm. (laughs) As you know from being in radio, there's a show tomorrow.
2: Yeah, that's right. You got to have material. There's another show tomorrow. Mina Kimes has done well there. She's
1: getting the company push. I think Mina Kimes is exceptionally smart. She writes very well reports yeah. very well and she's got a good personality yeah. so she, but she is kind of getting the company pushed because she's a woman and a minority that doesn't hurt
2: right right and Sarah Spain is is okay I mean ah, you know nothing wrong with
1: her I don't know about that I'm not sure yeah. I can co-sign off of that one yeah
2: I don't know yeah, all right I've, so
1: anyway so back to magic um mm-hmm. if he if he really claims to like the lake you know want the Lakers to the best and claims to be close with Jeannie, his sister, you can't do what he did and just trash everybody like that. I mean, you yeah. can, but makes him look like a schmuck, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, he, he's never had to have any accountability for anything and, and whatever he's done with the Dodgers, yes, he's put a good face on them, but Stan Caston runs that team.
1: Yeah. There's yeah. not, there's not a lot of magic input in no. things. Speaking of input and things, so our wizards made a run at a GM, a very sharp guy named Tim Connolly for the Nuggets, and unfortunately he he took a look in, said I don't think so, and said no.
2: Yeah, well, what what was Ted doing trying to short him on on length of contract? He wanted five years. That's to get up from underneath the wall deal, right? And Ted said only four years after keeping Ernie around for sixteen. I mean, on one hand, he might say, "Well, look at my track record. I kept a guy around who everybody wanted to fire." You know, ten years past, you know, his his run. But, but on the other hand, if if you're really serious about hiring a guy who's 41 years old, Ted being cheap, it's Ted being, it cheap. Built, it's yeah, Ted being
1: cheap and short-sighted, and it's yeah. unfortunate because basically Conley said, "Look, I got a good deal here in Denver, and this team is really on the on the come right now, and this is a massive rebuild." In Washington because of the wall contract so he needed that extra year and he also said he didn't really want to interview for the job so that's the that's the signal that says come in and blow him away Gar Hurd style Mm -hmm. inside DC sports history reference there you got to blow him away and pretty much don't let him get on the plane again which is a Dan Snyder move (laughs) you're not gonna get on the plane we're gonna keep putting zeros on top of this offer until you say yes They didn't do that
2: no No, I mean, I might have said, here's a 10-year deal, (laughs) you know?
1: 10. I mean. 10. Well, you only wanted five. You would have got him at five. So now one of the names being mentioned is Danny Ferry. Andy, you and I know Danny's father, Bob, because he was the general manager of the Bullets back in Mm -hmm. the day. Affable fella, nice guy, but a prototypical dinosaur GM who also wasn't good at GMing. In my opinion, well,
2: he he had some, some pretty good moves, but a lot of things, you know, like he took John Williams, John Williams, was that'd be hot plate,
1: beer. hot plate. Williams nickname out of LSU Yeah, guy who's he, he, dead now, sadly. And he ate himself up to like 300 pounds.
2: But that's the point. I mean, until he did that, he hurt his knee and then he ballooned up. But until he did, he was a very good player. Uh, he drafted a guy like Jeff Ruland. And Jeff Ruland became a very good player. And then he traded him for Moses Malone. Part of what Bob Ferry had to operate under was an owner in a Poland who wanted to win now. Right. And and when the Bullets got old, the Hayes and Unsell team that had been to the finals twice and actually three times, um, in the seventies, when those guys got old, Bob Ferry went to Abe and he said, Okay, now we gotta stink for a while, get some draft picks and rebuild. And Abe said, No, no, no. We gotta keep a competitive team on the floor. Right. Which is what they did. And, you know, they were going out in the first round every year. They got old. They started picking up guys like Bernard King. I mean, the way to do it is you, you gotta
1: take it down up. to the wood.
2: Yeah, the process The process may have been an extreme, but the process has always generally worked in the NBA.
1: Yeah, well, you can't, it's hard to excuse, though, when Ferry had both Muggsy Bogues and Manute Bowl on the team. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that just screamed freak show. Like, yes, you're not but, serious but, about building a team. You're just assembling a circus.
2: Well, I mean, look, Manute Bowl was a second-round pick. Uh, Muggsy, he gave up on too early. Muggsy actually had a good career <laughs> in the NBA.
1: He was pretty good in Charlotte. Sure. Which is pretty fucking amazing for a guy who was, what, five foot three?
2: Five three. Think about that.
1: He could dunk. I think, five yeah. three, and he could dunk, which I don't think kids today who don't know anything about Muggsy would even believe if I told you a five three guy could dunk.
2: Well, you, not, I mean, a five three guy who goes out for the high school team, you, you raise your eyebrows. This is the NBA. Right. And. and he, he was, he was a, you know, he had a 12, 15, 12, 13 year career. He was, he was okay.
1: Yeah. The other thing I'll never forget, Andy, is I was interning for the great Ken Beatrice on draft <laughs> night out at the US Air arena, which was actually the cap center back in the day. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was just there feeding Ken, whatever I, you know, giving him a paper running. I was a gopher for Ken basically. And he, he was laughing because apparently Bob Ferry drafted a guy who was blind in one eye.
2: Doug Roth.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Ken knew that he was blind in one eye, but Danny or, but I mean, Bob Ferry didn't know that.
2: No, no, Bob Ferry did know that.
1: Oh, he did. That's,
2: yeah. And, and, and well, what, what was what, Ken's
1: what, story about it?
2: But Ken, so Ken thinks he knows something that, that Ferry doesn't actually scouted and right. talked to people. So he says to him, Bob, Bob, and he had this thick Boston accent. Yeah, for Bob. The, I don't remember? Ken <laughs> Beatrice. Bob. He's blind in one eye. <laughs> and very, very just lost it on the air. Yeah,
1: he was <laughs> laughing. Like, I know <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But why <laughs> did he draft a guy blind? one guess because he was seven foot, right?
2: He was seven feet Big tall. Seven and foot and, you white know, guy. He, he mm. played in college. He played at Tennessee. I mean, he didn't play at a small place. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it was a second round pick. It wasn't like, you know, he used a lottery pick to get him. Yeah. But, you know.
1: Meanwhile, our Redskins lost Ruben Foster for the year to a knee injury. Yeah. Do you believe there is some sort of curse no. right now? You don't.
2: No. no, I don't. I just, I just think it's, it's, it's circumstance. And Alex you know. Smith
1: broken leg.
2: Yeah, Colt McCoy
1: broken leg. Other injuries. Yeah. Darius Geist. Now Ruben Foster. There's. Okay. You don't think there's a karmic curse right now on this team for whatever reason?
2: Foster's had he's played two years in the league and he's had injuries so he's he's somewhat prone to get them uh the Alex Smith thing you know maybe that's a fluke I don't know uh how about the but-
1: fact that we've had two quarterbacks basically break their leg or their knee on us two franchise guys Robert was never the same after that knee went and Alex's career is now over because of yeah it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, but, but there were, there were other extenuating circumstances in, in Griffin too.
1: Oh, I know just,
2: just the injury.
1: I know there's, there's still a lot of bad management. I mean, you know, some people like Jay last night here in the Zabe cast was laughing saying he thinks Reuben Foster is a bad guy and he's not sorry for him at all. I said that was a little bit harsh because there are other bags of shit in the NFL. Like, hello, Tyree kill. Yeah who the, the sound of the league's silence on that issue is deafening, right? Right,
2: right. And, and who knows what's going to happen with Zeke Elliott who decides to <laughs> shove a security guard over How about
1: Street. Zeke Elliott, huh? Yeah. Not yeah. only forget whether or not he's he, – nothing will probably happen discipline-wise on this. Yeah, no charges. But but here's the thing, Andy. Are you going to load a cat like that up with a brand-new massive contract?
2: Yes, Jerry will. No, 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 You. No, no, no. You're I, a no, GM, because,
1: Andy. No, you a running you, back. Okay. No, he, no, so, no, I wouldn't. So if you were the GM, there's no way you'd give Zeke Elliott, a guy of questionable character off the field, that much money because it'll just accelerate his off-field stupidity.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I covered the career of Lawrence Taylor, and Taylor had all kinds of stuff off the field. But <laughs> he had a great career, and with all the things that would happen, he showed up to play on Sunday. And that's a unique position, a a game-changing linebacker. Running back, you move on. You get another one.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the league ever gets back to where running backs matter Mm -hmm. and where running backs are featured parts of teams' offenses and not just component parts. You know, the glory days of the NFL with running backs, John Riggins, Tony Dorsett, Earl Campbell, Franco Harris and on and on and on.
2: Yeah. But I would say no, because the way that the passing rules have changed, right. that it's, it's, it's almost like what's happened with the three point shot in basketball, that it doesn't make sense to run the football when you can continually gain yardage over the middle. Cause you can't touch anybody, you know, they, they and one of the Peter King did a, a column. He asked a bunch of people what they would change.
1: I if, saw uh, that. Yeah. How to yep. 50 ways to improve the NFL?
2: Yeah, and what Pete Carroll was right after your argument. It's Replay. Yeah. Love
1: you, Pete Carroll. The only but, only thing uh, I agree with that gum chomping asshole on.
2: What one suggestion was to make the uh, make it instead of a five yard uh, contact off the line of scrimmage, make it ten.
1: Interesting. So, yeah. So slow the passing game down just a bit.
2: Yeah, just just take it down, and and if you did, then the running game I think it becomes more important. And you know, occasionally you'll have a, a generational talent like Adrian Peterson, who uh, even you know, even at his advanced age, is still effective. Right. But
1: well, uh, my my uh, tweak would be this, and it would have multiple benefits. And my tweak is greatly liberalize holding on the offensive line, meaning change your definition of it and don't call nearly as much holding. Here's what it does, Andy. It makes the running game more explosive so that Mm -hmm. getting a guy to average six yards a carry is not hard to do because you're letting the O-line hold more. It protects your most valuable asset as a league, quarterbacks, because it dials sacks down to maybe the leading sack guy a year might have six. So you've Mm -hmm. reduced the injuries, reduced the heat on the quarterback, And you increase the running game, offense would go up, passing would still be explosive because the quarterback's going to have more time back there. What's the downside?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because back in the day when Jim Brown was dominating the league and running, the blocking rules were much, much more difficult than they are now. You had to have your hands at your chest. You could not extend your arms. Right, And so what you're suggesting is... So it's amazing that
1: running was that effective back then, given that it was harder to block, according to yeah. the rules.
2: It was harder to block, but you could also tackle the wide receivers. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: you,
2: you, you had Pat Fisher... Who and kids, when nine. Andy
1: says tackle the wide receivers, he is really not exaggerating. You almost yeah, literally yeah. could.
2: Harold Carmichael played wide receiver at six eight for Philadelphia. And uh Pat Fisher, a guy that we know and is a little enough from taking too many hits uh, now. Uh he would just chop him down. <laughs> you know, so Pat Fisher was
1: five ten.
2: Five nine, I think. Five
1: nine. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, uh, Five nine, go-
1: if if he's an inch tall, as Ken <laughs> Beatrice would say, <laughs> and,
2: and he would just you know, you just see Harold Carmichael's a foot taller go timber.
1: <laughs> speaking of speaking of rules in the NFL, this came down today, or this was reported by the Wall Street Journal today, that the NFL's new, you can challenge pass interference rule may have to get rewritten because once they passed it hastily at the owners' meetings in Phoenix over the winter and then went to go play golf, they realized, oh, shit, there could be a ton of inconsequential plays challenged that makes the game longer and longer and longer. It was another case of the league not really doing their homework on this and asking people and coaches, how is this going to really play out?
2: Well, I, you know, Dean Blandino in that in that piece with Peter King, said, make everything challengeable. Just don't give any more challenges. Like, give the coaches still the two that they have. Let them be more selective with them.
1: You know why that won't achieve what replay fanatics want? Why? Because replay fanatics, Andy, want a perfection in officiating that's impossible to achieve. And so, therefore, with everything challengeable and with only two challenges per team, you're almost guaranteeing that a team, if not both, in a game will have a call missed that they can't challenge, and that will then drive the replay fanatics crazy because the replay fanatics or fairies, as I call them, want fairness. They want perfect officiating, and you and I are old enough to know that sports are not fair. Always. Oh, I know,
2: I know, but I, I would still like to have. And they tried it with the eight games of the AAF is to have that referee in the sky to overturn something egregious like we had in the Saints-Rams championship sort of game. like,
1: Sort of like a what-the-fuck ref. You yeah, need one exactly. what-the-fuck ref upstairs that when they see something completely wrong yeah. can stop the game and tell the refs on the field, hold on.
2: Yeah. Who, who can do exactly what every one of us at home was doing when we saw that right.
1: play. You know? you know, the NHL could use that because I bet a... What the fuck, ref, in the stands? Middleton, mm-hmm. another big three, Andy. He's on fire this half. Uh, Bucks have cut it to six under a minute first half, 59-53, Toronto on top. Um, the the refs in the uh, Stanley Cup game between uh, St. Louis, St. Louis, yeah, they missed a hand Louis. pass, all four yeah. of them. The league actually apologized, and, right. and they benched the four refs, which is great. We rarely get the NFL benching a ref or a crew for fucking up.
2: No, no. No. We we also have a commissioner who had replacement referees and said, Oh, everything's fine, until it wasn't for Monday night game against the Packers and the Seahawks.
1: So So what do you think the Redskins gonna be this year? Just back to them just for a real quick second. What do you think?
2: I I saw the Vegas over under is six. I would go under.
1: Yeah. Uh You know what's you know what is horrifying about this team? I'm waiting.
0: Oh,
2: I figured you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you,
1: but I'm going to make you. I'll tell you what's horrifying. The wide receivers.
2: Oh yeah, they don't have any.
1: Doxson, Richardson, and this kid McLaurin who everyone raves about, but he's a third-rounder for a reason, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, I mean, who
1: they, and then Trey Quinn, Mr. Irrelevant.
2: He's played he's played in two games and gotten hurt in both of
1: them. <laughs> I know. Everyone thinks he's our Wes Welker though. Little, no. white, little white zip-zap guy who's going to be devastating. I'm not so sure about that.
2: Yeah, when you when you invest like they did in Doxson what was he, the ninth pick of the draft, something like that, that's a dry hole, that crushes you.
1: It does, and yeah. they've stuck with it for four years. By the way, for all non-redskin diehards, you probably like who and who. Uh, Doxson was a first-rounder at TCU who was big in college going up, climbing on top of people and making incredible sure. catches. He's sucked as a pro. I think he's soft. I think he's mentally soft. He's also been injured. Uh then you've got Paul Richardson, who is a burner, but he's built like a greyhound dog. He is the skinniest, fragilest looking guy I've ever seen. He's really not even a number two. He's like a number three. He's our mm-hmm. supposed number two. And then we got this third rounder that, you know, Haskins is buddies with. <laughs> That's that like on paper, we have the shittiest wide receivers in the league. Yeah, Bar none. And, and the- End of story. And we're going to mate that up with a rookie quarterback who I think, by the way, Andy, is starting week one. That's my prediction right now.
2: I, I think so. I mean, and that call is probably going to be made by the owner. And, you know, there's, whether, whenever Dan Snyder decides he's ready to go, that's when he goes.
1: Yeah. Uh, here's one for you. This tweet was, or this quote was from Isaiah Thomas, jumping back to basketball about LeBron. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, Andy, just keep that in mind. By the way, lead back to 10 for Toronto. 63-53. Three seconds left. Buck's going to the line. Uh, Isaiah, quote, This is where the NBA and our league has truly failed LeBron James. Every place he's gone, they've always given him either a first-year coach or someone they were experimenting with. LeBron James has never had the benefit of Hall of Fame coaches Isaiah Thomas. Andy, tee that one up and whack it down the fairway.
2: Well, that's because LeBron has chosen his coaches. <laughs>
1: and when he yeah. got
2: sick of them, he got him fired. Yeah. I mean, this is this is Isaiah Thomas, the, the biggest cooler in the history of sports. If yes. you put him in your league, he kills it. <laughs> He's saying that. That's funny. This is that. where
0: the
1: NBA failed LeBron. They yeah. didn't hand him a Hall of Fame coach. Are you fucking kidding me? If the guy took to coaching better, and if he was more of a leader, then they would have had a coach who was a Hall of Fame caliber guy come in and say, here, I'll coach you. I guarantee you this, LeBron would not have liked being coached hard by a guy like Popovich.
2: Oh, no, no, and Popovich wouldn't. That wouldn't be his type of player. It just just wouldn't. There was, There was speculation that when he went to Miami, that Pat Riley was going to come back and coach that if LeBron right. decided that he didn't like coach Spo,
1: yeah, he, put, he was
2: just going to summon Riley from the uh, front office. But it, that didn't happen.
1: It was just great. My response to the tweet was it's a pity the Menendez brothers couldn't have grown up in a stable two parent household.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the old, it's the old joke, you know, that, that a guy kills both his parents and then goes to the judge and pleads for mercy. Cause he's an
1: orphan, the orphan. right? Yeah. <laughs> Basically it. It's like, come on now, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, what else is on your docket? I love, by the way, listening to you and Lovey on the Saturday Schlep, as you call it, in Thank the mornings. Uh, and I feel almost like uh, I'm now taking notes mentally to bring back to you when we talk on the podcast, just to follow <laughs> up on stuff. Some things I totally agree with; other things, I'm like, oh man, I got to challenge Andy on this.
2: Okay, well, uh, pick one. I'm trying to think. Of, you know, well, I do love the
1: fact. What? I do love the fact that. You asked Lavero if he ever watched Game of Thrones. Yeah. And he said no. And he said he was quite proud of it and then made a joke about dragons and all. And I thought to myself, Andy, don't you remember how Lavero has been mocking Game of Thrones as childish Dungeons and Dragons nonsense for years?
2: Yeah, I guess. I, I, I just I never got into it myself. I, I mean I, I will have to catch up at some point. But it may um, not be
1: it may not be for you. It's not necessarily for everybody. That's yeah. for sure.
2: Yeah. What are you watching you know, now T V wise? Uh I'm I'm really, you know, just watching a lot of sports. I really have I watch I did watch But oh, summer's I mean, coming. Yeah, but I did watch and, and you should too, and I think I think you picked up one of the tweets that I put out about this, the Ali back to back HBO. Um, and it's, it's hard was,
1: to find new material, you say, but they found it. Yeah,
2: they did. I mean, there, there's golden gloves, boxing, uh, film of him. There's, um, there's, there's Ernie, Ernie Terrell, who, uh, everybody said, you know, I, it's even before my time that Ali, and that really comes to the title of the whole piece is, you know, what's my name, but there is that press conference with Cosell in the middle of it, and Ernie Terrell is refusing to say Muhammad Ali. He keeps saying Cassius Clay. Now, uh, one thing about this that you have to go and recognize, there aren't going to be any warts here. They're not going to show you how cool he was to Frazier. Uh, they won't show, for example, when he went over to Africa to fight George Foreman, and he showed up with his girlfriend, and his wife was watching on television. <laughs> And decided that she was going to go over there and raise, oh raise hell. We, we, we didn't see that. Um, you know there there was there were certain things, but by and large, it was it was very well done, especially in that they used no narration, unlike those thirty for thirties where they have like six hundred sound bites from you know everybody under the sun saying how great Ali was. This is all done. The narration is done from interviews that he did over the years. Really, like Johnny Carson. So there's no yeah.
1: third-person sound bites narrating the story.
2: No, no. Wow. There's there's there, there's some you know live press conference stuff, but most of it is you know he'd sit down with Dinah Shore or Dick Cavett or whoever happened to be the, the interviewer, and they used that. Um, he he talked about uh, how he got his whole act. He was he was enamored with Gorgeous George, who was a wrestler, and he really? said that that. Yeah, and, and they had video of that. And now here's, here's the other part, of, and this will bring us back to LeBron. His company produced that. And so while there's all this speculation, oh, he's not going to put up with this Laker mess. He's going to get himself out of there. He wants to win. He may be segging into this next phase. And being with the Lakers and being in Los Angeles may present him with the opportunities that he's really looking for now rather than necessarily oh, there's, winning championships. There's
1: no question. And actually, that's going to be a complicating factor with his decision of, do I want to go one last place mm-hmm. to chase one last ring and risk, okay, now I've got to put all this other Hollywood stuff on hold?
2: Yeah, I mean, not necessarily, but, but to be as entrenched as he needs to be, uh, that's a good spot to be, playing
1: you, uh, for the Lakers. Do you watch any of his show, uh, The Shop?
2: I watched the clips. Yeah, yeah, I watched I mean, the clips. I
1: haven't watched the episode. I'll have to get to that. See, that could be the thing. I could get us through the summer, the long summer, Andy, with no sports. Just catch up on all my HBO real sports. Catch up on the you know barbershop, all these documentaries that I haven't seen. The 30 for the 30s. There's a lot of stuff that is out there, obviously.
2: I, I love real sports, but they're spending too much time on like these outdoorsy things people oh, really? who climb mountains yeah there's not it's not as much you know huh. hardcore sports Sport, like
1: professional there. sports or amateur sports they've covered yeah, a lot of stuff yeah. the show's been running a long ass time you know yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's it's just not it's just not but i i do like it and i like i like gumball a lot i think gumball's really good on tv
1: yeah all right la- last one here and this is uh where do you I'm stand it up a little bit oh uh are you, are you there with me yeah. Okay. okay. Where do you stand on Darren Ravel? Uh,
2: I like him. I, I I was on him very early uh, when I was doing shows with Mel, and we're going back almost twenty years now. He was just starting out, and I kind of identified him as as a unique talent. Yeah, because he,
1: he he pigeonholed a niche that didn't exist, which was the business of sports reporter
2: yeah so i I find his tweets fascinating. I often quote them because they're they're good little nuggets. Oh, he's
1: and, a nugget uh, factory i I like him. he he can rub me the wrong way occasionally, but I also think he gets too much shit from some people in the sports media ecosystem. Like yeah. I think he is everyone's punching bag to an extent that's not fair. Here's an example. Sure. and this and I think this is taken the right way, but let me tell you, let me see what you think. Darren Revell tweeted that Harold Varner III began the day at the PGA on Sunday in second place in line for a payday of $968,000. But after his terrible round of 11 over, he finished tied for 36 and will take home $48,200. He did not tag Varner with his Twitter handle, so he wasn't poking him, Andy. And this was a legitimate point about how, There ain't no guaranteed contracts in the PGA Tour. That's a lot of fucking money, especially for a guy like Harold Varner. And that's how cruel golf can be because shit just started going wrong and going sideways. So Varner saw the tweet and responded, this is great. Didn't know. Life goes on. Let's get better. Thanks, DR, for a little motivation. Now, that's a little bit salty from Harold because you know goddamn well he was aware of the money that he lost with that bad day. But he also didn't crush Darren and I think was at least polite about it. That said, the responses to Varner's response just savaged Ravel.
2: Yeah, but that's that's the Twitter universe that we live in. People people are sitting there. It's like it's like the buzzer on Jeopardy. They're waiting for one of those things so they can weigh in with something snarky.
1: Chimes in, yeah. Exactly. They they're just killing Rovell on this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think he found I think he found something, and uh I don't quite get what he's doing now. I don't know what it has to do with gambling. It seems like he's putting out the same kind of tweets he always did.
1: Yeah, on the but, action network.
2: Yeah. Mm. But whatever they they must have a plan i did see though last night in the pregame um that they, they were talking about money line they were talking about uh you know the over under all those those different things that they would kind of dance around like you know at, back in the day jimmy the greek couldn't give point spreads the check marks were supposed to give you a hint but you know yeah change obviously yeah
1: it's crazy now and now you got actual broadcast entities opening their own apps. Fox is going to yeah. have a gambling app you can bet money on. Fox. I know. ESPN is opening that studio in Vegas on the strip to talk nothing but gambling. The thing <laughs> that the thing that I'm still wondering is how is gambling sports talk radio any different than sports talk radio?
2: Uh I don't know and I, and I know that that the years we worked together you you talked a lot about gambling and
1: everyone did everyone who was a sports fan that gambled a little bit talked about it i think there are some people overestimating the desire for the nitty-gritty you know uh odds and over-unders people just want to know the line basically right
2: they want to know the line and and they're they're somewhat interested in how you did i mean that's i think that's one of the appeals of scott van pelt it's not that everybody's betting with him or betting in a different direction they just know that he's he's putting his own and you know feeling yeah. the pain
1: or, or feeling the game. all right andy that'll do it i want you to know my mother bless her heart said she loves it when you come on the podcast well, I you that. are her favorite she's like andy is just so quick with things he knows everything <laughs> and you guys have the best yin and yang and i'm like well mom that's what doing radio with andy for f- how many years
2: I think we did about 13, about maybe 13 14 years.
1: years. That's, what, uh, that's what it'll do. You get that chemistry, yeah. But
2: Well, I, I, I've always liked your mom. I like your parents very much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just, right. despite how you turned out, they, they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're they good
1: people. Exactly. All right, Andy, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, brother. Isaac, right, Take See care. See ya. Bye.
0: Grandparents. At Vanguard, you're more than just a grandparent. You're the family historian's.